The God of the Bible is the devil of the Bible. It was the God of the Bible that drowned people. It was the God of the Bible that sent animals out of the woods to destroy children. I ain't nobody's sheep. I ain't nobody's slave. And I'm not scared of you or your idea. So if in fact that God was real, burn me. Welcome back to a brand new video here at Wise Disciple. My name is Nate Sala, and I'm helping you become the effective Christian that you are meant to be. That means thinking, speaking, and leading more like Jesus. That's what these videos are all about. Well, today we're looking at an ex-pastor. Uh, this is ex-pastor TikTok, and this guy's pretty mad. Uh, let's hear what he's mad about. Maybe he's got some legitimate gripes against Christianity, against the Christian faith. Before we do that, though, don't forget to like and subscribe to the channel so you don't miss out on any of the cool things that are happening soon at Wise Disciple. And trust me, they're going to be cool. Also, uh, partnered with Logos Bible Software, which is the software that I use to read the Bible with you on YouTube. I highly recommend this for personal study. It's going to do a lot of the heavy lifting for you. Check out the link in the description for some cool discounts. Yes, I am angry. I'm angry because I lived a lie for 15 years and I believed it with all my heart. I separated myself from my family, friends, I moved, relocated, disassociated myself from everyone or anyone who was not saved. Did you hear? Let me hear that one more time. I separated myself from my family, friends, I moved, relocated, disassociated myself from everyone or anyone who was not saved. Okay, so we have an ex-pastor explaining why not only he left Christianity, but why he's mad. And one of the things that he said was when he was a Christian and a pastor, he disassociated from anyone who is not saved. Now ask yourself this question. Is that what a Christian is supposed to do? So, so there's the exercise of hearing this man's pain and recognizing it and validating that. I don't think anyone should attack this person's pain and suffering, okay? So I hope that's not why you're watching the video. On the other hand, it is vitally important, if we're going to be good critical thinkers, that we separate the emotion from the ideas. And so I'll ask the question again. Are Christians supposed to disassociate themselves from non-believers? We'll come back to that. I believe that I could not be unequally yoked together with non-believers. So I turned my back on good people or people who needed me. But it was for the cross's sake, right? It was for the cross's sake. Rather than fearing men, I feared the one who can cast both soul and body in some place called hell. Okay, so he referenced a passage of the Bible in order to justify his disassociation with non-believers. He referenced unequally yoking himself. Did you catch that? That's 2 Corinthians 6.14. It says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness, or what fellowship has light with darkness? Here's what we need to understand about the passage, okay? Paul is first and foremost a Jew. Remember, this is the same Paul who called himself the Hebrew of Hebrews, right? He, he was a Pharisee, that's Philippians 3, right? Trained under Gamaliel, that's Acts chapter 22. That means that Paul is going to talk about living according to God's ways as a Jew. He is considered a completed Jew, which means that he is he's a Jew who has found his Messiah in Jesus Christ. So the question that we need to ask is, how would a Jew understand Paul's words in 2 Corinthians 6.14? Because this is not the first time that we've heard about yokes before, right? Jesus spoke about a yoke, didn't he? 
This is Matthew 11, verse 28. Jesus said, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my, here it is, yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. A rabbi's yoke was another way of talking about his teachings. If you were a disciple of a rabbi, that meant that you would take his yoke. You would adopt his teachings upon yourself. That's why Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Okay, verse 29 there. He's talking about his teachings. So when Paul says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, he's talking about it in the same way that Jesus was. He's talking about the teachings. See, now it makes sense when he says, Look at verse uh, 15 and 16. What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. He's talking about combining the teachings of Christ with the teachings of false religions, with the teachings of other worldviews that run right up against what Christ taught. Remember, what was the problem that the Corinthians were going through, that they were struggling with, that Paul was addressing in the first place by writing this letter? They were entertaining false teaching. Take a look at uh, 2 Corinthians 11 here, right? You can even see it in the subheading, Paul and the false apostles, right? Chapter 11 is famously where Paul says, if somebody proclaims to you another Jesus, or if they proclaim to you a different gospel, you put up with it. Paul is talking to the same people that he was talking to in chapter 6. So that's what Paul is doing when he writes about unequally yoking yourself. He's talking about the Church of Disciples of Christ trying to combine Christ's teachings with other religions. We also know that because Paul, writing to the same people, also said this. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world, or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. But now I am writing to you to not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother. There it is. If he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed, or an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. Why is Paul concerned about the one who calls himself brother? It's because he wants to preserve the teachings of Jesus in Christ's own church. That was also his clear concern when he wrote uh, Timothy. So it just sounds like this person did not understand what Paul is talking about, took a very hyper-skewed view of that, and then completely disassociated with all non-believers. I mean, that's sad. I, I, how do you even share the gospel or fulfill the Great Commission then? I took hook, line, and sinker, the false story of love called John 316. That's no message of love. That's a message of coercion. Twisting your arm behind your back is a message with the ultimate threat on the end of it. While it says, oh, if you believe, you'll get some cake. But if you don't, I'll burn you. Let me tell you something, every believer. Yeah, I'm mad. Because I care more about people than your God. It is just a book. It ain't real. The God of the Bible is the devil of the Bible. I don't say that to be mean. I say that because it's a fact. It ain't no such thing as the devil. I'm just using the terms that you're familiar with. It was the God of the Bible that drowned people. It was the God of the Bible that sent animals out of the woods to destroy children. 
It was the God of the Bible who chose to unalive all the firstborn in Egypt, even the slaves and even the firstborn of the cattle. It was the maniacal God of the Bible that did that. Hey, real quick, I'm so glad that you're watching, but did you know that 68% of you that watch are not subscribed to the channel? Can you believe that? That blew my mind when I saw that. That's amazing. Would you please help me get this video out to more people by liking and subscribing to the channel? I really do appreciate it. Yeah, this seems to be a common technique from non-believers, particularly atheists when it comes to challenging Christianity. Um, it also, and maybe this is not a coincidence, is the same thing that a lot of angry folks do when they've completely lost it and they're just arguing with someone. They just start dropping five to 10 to 15 points that perhaps are related, maybe not, but they do it all at once. Boom, 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 right? And what about this? And what about that? You know, and, and here's another thing. What about that, right? Some people are persuaded rhetorically by the cumulative force of such a move, the problem is when you drop all of these points all at once, you don't give the person you're talking to the ability to investigate each one of those points one at a time to see if they actually have an argument there. Okay, so this man says, you know, the God of the Bible is the devil. There's the claim, right? And then his supporting evidence for this claim is, well, God drowned people. Okay, but wait a second. Like, you mean the Egyptians? who were coming to, at best, take the Israelites back to Egypt as slaves again, and at worst, to kill them all? So, so that's what makes God the devil? I, I just, I don't see that argument. I'll agree that it, you know, it doesn't make God a lovey-dovey teddy bear. Again, I don't see how that makes him the devil. And then, you know, some of the other things that he lists are not even accurate, right? The God of the Bible sends animals to destroy children. No, he doesn't. I mean, that's not, <laughs> if he's talking about Elisha, that's not even the story at all. Those were not children. Those were 42 young men, uh, potentially priestly servants of the false god of the region that Elijah had traveled to. So anyway, let me break this down in terms of debate. This man made a claim, God is the devil. Then he listed some potential pieces of evidence, and he gave no warrant for any of those. No explanation as to how the evidences he listed supports his claim. So what are we supposed to do with that right now? I wouldn't do anything with it. Uh, he hasn't made an argument just yet. And then intimidating you and I so much to the degree that we would see the wickedness of the character Yahweh in the Bible and deny it and say, no, no, he wasn't wicked. No, it really is our fault. It's us. It's us. No, it's not. Do you know how many people are on the brink of suicide or have committed suicide because they battle within themselves, wondering why a loving God made them the way that they uh, that he did, but yet uh, because of how they were taught, God, you in your own word condemned me and you made me this way? Is that what God does? By the way, that, that's like an oddly specific situation. Does does he know what the number is on that? Can Can he ballpark that? Does, what are the numbers that he's asking us? I wonder if he knows the answer. How many people are miserable and terrified of the monster in the closet? They can't live their life because they fear that this wicked beast is going to destroy them because they won't find him while he's playing hide and seek. While there's no evidence that he even exists or if it's a he, it, she, they, them. We don't know. But keep in mind, this proverbial God is the one that created you and I this way. And then said, the writers rather, said in the book that he established the end from the beginning, that none of this is done outside of his will. So here's what I want to say. First of all, to all you beautiful people out there, ain't nothing wrong with you. You weren't born in no sin, shaped in no iniquity, with some death sentence on you simply because you were born. If a programmer developed a piece of software that had a 
virus. We would think something was wrong with that developer if we saw them going crazy over the software and stomping it, jumping up and down, like say, you know, saying, what's wrong with you software? What's wrong with you? You're going to burn for this. Uh, that's a horrible analogy. Um, it always falls apart when you try to liken human beings to software, unless you want to implicitly suggest that human beings have no freedom of choice. And, and maybe that's what he ultimately believes, which is ironic if that's the case, because then why is he so mad at the writers of the Bible since they had no free will to not write it? You know what I mean? Um, but I'm, I'm struck by this man's tone. Again, trying to just be clinical about this, be objective, trying to remove the emotion from the ideas. I bet a lot of folks are persuaded because of the simple fact that this person is so angry. I'm sure it develops a level of ethos with folks, probably even pathos as well for those who, you know, who are listening, who are also upset and angry. It's a shame, though, because the arguments are horrible. I suppose there are things that you could critique Christianity about that would be difficult for Christians to respond to, but it ain't any of this. I think that person was crazy. You see it now, right? No. You beautiful person who might be gay or whatever. Ain't nothing wrong with you. You live your life and you're a beautiful person. It is the Abrahamic religion that makes us mistreat people. You're great people. You're wonderful people. We just simply believe the book and please forgive us. Forgive me because I was the same. I was the same. I was homophobic like many black men while having loved ones who were gay. How dare you? I will be damned and refuse to lift my hands up for any idea of any type of God that would make me in sin, whatever the hell that is, make me worthy of death. And then tell me if I don't find him in the midst of all of these claimed fictitious ideas called gods, I'm going to burn for eternity. But let me tell you something. If you were real, I ain't nobody's sheep. I ain't nobody's slave. And I'm not scared of you or your idea. So if in fact that God was real, burn me. Because I'd rather be with the people, the real ones. I'll stand with them. Burn me. You want to burn me because I love more than you? That's what I would say. Do it. Because I ain't nobody's punk. And you ain't going to threaten me. And mm. don't let nobody threaten you. For all of those that follow me, all my friends, I'm sorry. I'm sure you feel me. But I ain't sorry. And I don't know if I'm... A so at the end of the day, yes, Sean is mad. Let me ask you a question. Genuine question. If you found yourself face-to-face -face with this person, what's his name? Sean? If you were face-to-face -face with Sean, would you talk to him about Christianity or not? Let me know in the comments below. Uh, I'm genuinely curious to get your thoughts. I propose to you, the answer is no. You should not. What does any Christian have to offer this man from their worldview? Think about it. I mean, he's obviously very angry. I mean, unless this is just a, you know, a show that he's putting on for his channel, he seems pretty upset. You know, I take him at face value. So should we go argue with him and get into a yelling match with this man? No. As a matter of fact, the Bible warns us about engaging folks like this. Proverbs 9 verse 7 says this, Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse, and he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. Let that sink in for a moment. The Bible teaches us 
not just right here, but in other places in the scripture, that not everyone deserves an answer. Only those who desire wisdom deserve an answer. As a matter of fact, certain kinds of folks, you should not engage at all. And if you do, you are disobeying the clear teaching of Scripture. It's not just Proverbs. Jesus teaches the same concept to his disciples in Matthew 7, uh, verse 6. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. I actually preached about this a, a couple of years ago at the pulpit. Uh, if you like, I can say more about this in a separate video. But here's what I will say. I, I think this is actually very important for those of us who desire to be effective communicators of the Christian faith to understand. We need to get this. As always, uh, let's pray for Sean. Uh, this isn't about bashing anybody. Clearly, there's emotions all wrapped up in the conclusions that not only Sean makes, but a lot of people make, believers and non-believer. And uh, clearly, that was on full display with Sean. So uh, pray for him. Um, believe it or not, I was like him. And um, by the goodness of God, here I am. So... Uh, hey, if you made it this far, uh, you need to join my Patreon community, really. Uh, you know, even for free, you can get some things like read the Bible with me. Uh, you can see my daily Bible study notes Monday through Fridays. We're doing a Bible study right now on the Patreon community. Or you can get exclusive access to videos like this before they make it to YouTube. If you help support me uh, financially, you can join me for exclusive live streams and ask me anything you want. The link for the Patreon is below. But that's all I got for this video. Glad you're with me. And for now, I'll say bye-bye.